listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 5th of December 2022. Later, we'll find out what the market thinks will happen with the Reserve Bank's uh, interest rates meeting tomorrow. It's the last meeting of the year. But first, a new report which has detailed that the struggles young people faced during the first year of the pandemic was disproportionately worse than other parts of the communities, while couples said that their relationships actually improved. For more, Laurie Lawira spoke earlier with the lead author of the Hilda Report, Professor Roger Wilkins. The Hilda report released today notes that inequality declined in 2020 during the pandemic. What are some of the reasons for this? Well, the government introduced income supports on an unprecedented scale in 2020 in the form of the JobKeeper payment, uh, coronavirus supplement, uh, economic support payment and various other measures. And uh, collectively, uh, these uh, made a huge difference to the, uh, the incomes, particularly of low-income people. So uh, for, for, the, for the first time in, in living memory, uh, we had a lot of people in low-income households who are actually not reporting being in financial stress or and, and, you know, and reporting actually feeling uh, qu- in quite comfortable economic, economic circumstances. Are there any key lessons that have been learnt from this time? Well, I mean, it certainly showed that uh, it's within government's powers to alleviate uh, poverty and, 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 and socioeconomic disadvantage, that, uh, uh, that, that uh, they, this, these injections of additional income supports uh, did lift the incomes of, of, of most people uh, in disadvantage and did lift them out of poverty. Now, of course, the questions will arise as to the, uh, the fiscal sustainability uh, of, uh, of 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 what was introduced in 2020, uh, but you know it's it's pretty clear that uh, that if if we did lift income support payments, um, you know e- even not necessarily to the levels of 2020, uh, that they, they they would do quite a bit to uh, to alleviate uh, disadvantage. How has 2020 felt across the different demographics in society? Well, I mean, we heard a lot, I suppose, at the time we still to this day hear about how the elderly are more uh, vulnerable to the to the virus itself in terms of uh, being you know, uh, being adversely impacted, including potentially dying from from the virus. Uh, but what we heard less of and what really comes out strongly in the Hilda survey data from from this year is that young people were disproportionately adversely impacted by the the economic and social effects of the virus and, and the lockdowns that accompanied them. Uh, we saw them more likely to lose their jobs. Uh, we saw them suffer more in terms of their social lives. But perhaps most importantly, we, we saw uh, their mental health deteriorate um, uh, very dramatically, but particularly in, uh, in Melbourne, where uh, at the time of the survey in, in September and October of 2020, uh, Melbourne was in the midst of a 111-day lockdown. And there we saw very large declines in mental health amongst people under 35 in particular. And talking about Melbourne, uh, what did the survey show in particular about this capital city? This was a period where all of Australia was being affected by the virus and, was, and, and there were some restrictions uh, through, uh, throughout the country at this time. What we saw in Melbourne was essentially a more acute form of what everyone else was going through. So there were, the job losses were greater, uh, the, um, the, the as I mentioned, the mental health declines were greater. 
um, we we uh, uh, we saw more people reporting that their life had become much worse because of the pandemic. Uh, so it was really a case of um, uh, similar patterns across the country, but just at a at a, at a much more uh, acute level in Melbourne. Uh, were there any bright spots that were found or uncovered in this survey? Well, I, I think there were two main ones. The, the first was that uh, f- for many low-income households, their economic security um, w- was, uh, was improved by the, by the government interventions. Uh, the other somewhat surprising finding was that uh, a lot more people reported that their relationship with their partner uh, improved because of the pandemic, then reported it, it deteriorated. And, and, uh, um, and I, I think my expectation was that uh, you know, give, there was a lot of discussion at the time about how we, you know, if we were uh, constantly you know, on top of each other and getting on each other's nerves, that that would be um, potentially uh, at, you know, ca- cause deterioration and breakdown in, in relationships. And uh, it seems actually that it was much more common that... Uh, Having this extended the periods together, um, you know, and associated with was um, you know, more free time, was actually good for, for for more relationships than it was um, than it was bad. And I, I think that reflects the fact that um, just there were there were fewer tension points when you were uh, living in lockdown. But you know, when it comes comes to uh, couples, for example, uh, bargaining, negotiating over. Uh, who has to pick up the kids, who has to cook dinner and so forth became less of, a, of an issue uh, where, when uh, the, the people had more free time and, uh, and not much else to do. That was Laurie Lewira there speaking with the Hilda lead author, Roger Wilkins. Let's go now to the Australian share market, which finished stronger, 0.3% firmer on the 207,325. For more, I spoke earlier with David Burton-Jones. He is the Chief Investment Officer at Equitas Investment Partners. The big driver has been progress on the inflation front. So a number of data prints are strongly suggesting that really the worst of it is behind us. And that means that the Federal Reserve and central banks more globally can start to take their foot off the brake with regards to interest rates. We've also had China moving away from COVID zero, which will help fight some of those inflationary pressures even further, as China is really the great assembler in global supply chains. I guess one of the other key things is that we saw the iron ore price go up quite dramatically or or go up healthily. Is that to do with that? improvement in sentiment around China? Yeah, so the, the other thing that China is, is doing is attempting to, to revive the property market with additional state capital that is essentially earmarked for both property and infrastructure, not to mention some fairly significant relaxation of credit limits that had been applied to both property developers uh, and to the banks that ultimately lend to them. So that anticipated additional demand has driven iron ore prices quite a bit higher over the past month. But I should mention that we don't really think it will work on net long run. I think that households in China are expecting weaker property prices looking forward and really no amount of additional supply side measures like those that I just mentioned uh, are going to do much to alleviate what we think is going to be structurally weaker demand. So we're happy to fade some of the strength that we see in commodities and commodity producers in particular. Okay, tomorrow's the big one. The Reserve Bank meets for the final time uh, this year. What's the market expecting will happen with interest rates now and into the future? Well, the, the market 
and us really expect another 25 basis points, there will be words to the effect of we are slowing the pace of hikes, that the stance of policy is appropriate given the balance of risk between output, employment and inflation. We're probably quite close to the terminal right now, and that's the the peak, uh, so to speak, in the cash rate before they stop, before they uh, ultimately wind up the rate tightening cycle. And it's likely that the markets will take this fairly dovish stance positively. Okay, that's Australia, but I guess the other really big one will be the um, the US, and I think there are some other central banks also meeting next week. How important are those decisions likely to be? The 13th, I think, and Chairman Powell, Jay Powell, has more or less already told us to expect 50 basis points. He didn't push back on any of the loosening in financial conditions, uh, which is tighter credit spreads, for example, stronger markets, stronger equity markets, over the past month, and the market in aggregate took that as supportive uh, or even approval, meaning appropriate. Now, switching from the USFMC to the Bank of England, uh, the BOE intends to hike into a recession, so they've explicitly said, which is a little unusual for a central bank. Brexit has introduced uh, an adverse mix of low productivity and high inflation, which is why the pound is so weak, and tighter policy really only increases the odds of a hard landing for their property market, which looks quite overextended to us. And just finally, this is likely to be the last time I speak to you, David, before the end of the year. So given that, what do you think are the key themes for 2023 and where are the opportunities? Yeah, it's it's a good question. So the, the risks are fairly finely balanced, we think. Valuations across stocks and bonds are quite good meaning that the forward-looking returns are quite attractive. So in a a balanced, diversified portfolio, we're quite happy putting capital to work in line with one's strategic asset allocation. Within regions, Europe, Japan, the emerging markets, these continue to be much more favorably favorably priced uh, than, say, US equities. And then within investment styles, growth stocks continue to look very expensive to us relative to, say, value strategies. Within bonds, um, for the first time in a long time, the yield pickup on investment-grade credits looks quite good, and that's even after you net out expected default rates. So what's left over, the excess bond premium, looks quite good to us. Having having a good mix of duration through government bonds and also floating rate strategies, which are by definition uh, low duration, is we think a, a good approach given the backdrop of macroeconomic and um, ultimately policy rate uncertainty. David Burton-Jones there from Equitas Investment Partners. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.